Hi, and welcome to the podcast, Save Your Sorry, where we discuss the rise and fall of your favorite or more likely least favorite celebrity each episode. I'm your host, Jose. Joining me is my co-host and everyone's favorite host, Katrina Rochelle. Say it twice, because <laughs> it's nice. <laughs> Today is a Katrina-driven episode, so she will be the star of our show. Who will we be talking about today, Katrina? Okay, okay. First of all, thank you for that lovely introduction, sir. I don't think you've even said something as nice as when we met each other. I mean, who, <laughs> who, who are you? It, it's just, it just, I realize it because every, like, email we get of, oh, I love the show, Katrina's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> have good taste <laughs> yeah you're great though everybody knows you don't you don't have to be talked about because everybody knows that you're great so Ugh. uh-huh sure so- <laughs> <laughs> no I, I i'm just saying i picked the right person to do this podcast with me thank you the right person pressured me to do this podcast I'm <laughs> always great grateful Well, we went back and forth about what we might do. I told you I had a couple ideas of kind of like um, separate cases and it falls under a theme. I still kind of went with that, but differently. So this week, it still aligns with our cancel slash scandal theme, but it's kind of centered around a specific topic. Like I said before, this week's topic is going to be celebrities slash reality TV stars that got their shows canceled. Or yanked off the air, whichever term fits your fancy more. Ooh, I love it. So what's so interesting is that, so like this topic is about people that were doing a show, going to do a show, or were on a show and did something fucked up, and then the show is gone. We've done cases of people being on shows, being a part of shows, going to do shows, do something fucked up, and just that person has been gone. Roseanne. Roseanne, um, Jussie Smollett, Smollett, however you want to pronounce that, Kevin Spacey, like we had, we've we've had a few of those, so Uh I kind of, I kind of thought it was interesting to do the kind of flip side, but I will warn the listeners, this is kind of, I would say this is a triggering episode, we do, I am going to talk about murder, domestic abuse, so please be prepared, if this is not your episode, it is fine to listen to another one uh sit this one out but i do want to give everybody that warning okay all Good right so, so all these stars well not all these stars but these stars had shows or had a show that was going to premiere uh and went out and made morally questionable decisions that forced the networks to choose between the reality tv star and the a public opinion surrounding this which of course when it comes down to networks and who they're going to be loyal to it's not hard to tell who ends up winning. Okay. I have two cases of this happening and I'm familiar with both of them. Um, I remember when they happened in real time. Some facts I would say I remember more clearly than others. We'll discuss these two in no particular order. I kind of guess I wanted to get the more gruesome, upsetting story. They're both upsetting stories, honestly, but I wanted to get the first one out the way just because I think it is the one people are maybe more familiar with. And um, the the particulars of the case are kind of hard to hear. So uh, I'll say, give you a, a brief summary about what the situation is. We'll give our opinions as we always do. Perfect. So the first one is about the show Megan Wants a Millionaire. Oh, I watched that. Me too. The first case First of all, let me start that over. Uh, not from Megan Wants a Millionaire, but I got to stop saying Ew, that. I watched that. 
<laughs> so this first case with Megan Wants a Millionaire, I think is more known, especially if you were plugged into the many reality programs that VH1 was cranking out around the years of 2005 to the 2012 era. Things like Surreal Life, Flavor of Love, Celebrity Fit Club, Rock of Love, Charm School, I Love New York, I Love Money, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You're, you're familiar with some of those? Yeah, they pretty much all stem from the Surreal Life, and then it just kept a spider web of all these reactions. Yes, basically there'd be a star. I would say there was usually like a star or two in the Surreal Life that they really liked, and then it spiraled to them getting their own spinoff show. Happened with Flavor Flav, happened with that one Brady Bunch person, happened with a few people. Who was Flavor Flav originally with? Was it Brigitte? Brigitte Nelson? Yes. He was on Surreal Life with her. They got their own show. They broke up. He got his own show. And then New York got her own show. Exactly. And so on and so forth. One of the women who came from those shows and stood out enough to receive her own spinoff eventually was Megan Hauserman. And her show was called Megan Wants a Millionaire. The center of this disturbing case involves a man named Ryan Garcia, who was a contestant on the show, which was all about finding the spoiled, bougie, beautiful, almost always in a bikini, Megan, a millionaire man with the hopes of living happily ever after and never working a day in her life again. Didn't she also carry a dog around? Yes. Um, I think... (laughs) I think the one at the time before they unfortunately passed was Lily. If I'm not mistaken, if 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 my trivia is on point, I think it was Lily, a small little chihuahua, of course. I don't recall, but I, I remember it being like a chihuahua. I just don't remember the name. I was about to say, Jose, the dog lover, you I... recall? <laughs> you don't recall? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Now, as a fellow reality TV show watcher, but not as frequent as myself, you are familiar with Megan Once a Millionaire or you just uh, just that show or you knew about Megan and her backstory, right? Or no? I Yeah, she was on Rock of Love and then she was on Charm School season two. Mm -hmm. And then she was on there. I remember I don't remember her now, but I, I did know her at the time. Okay. Okay. So basically, yeah, you know pretty much what it was. Uh, just to, if in case you don't, for anybody else, Megan was first on Beauty and the Geek, and she ended up winning with her partner Alan. Something. It's not really that important. So I'm sorry. And I never watched Beauty and the Geek. Sorry. Uh, then she starred in the critically acclaimed series Rock of Love. <laughs> I did not know she was. Is Beauty and the Geek? It's a dating show. No, it's not a dating show. It's something like uh, these beauties teach teach the geeks how to be suave and maybe get girls and the geeks teach the beauties how to be smart. But don't quote me, because like I said, I didn't watch that shit. (laughs) Okay, yeah, I I heard of it before, but yeah, I never watched it either. Yeah, so uh, first she was on Beauty and the Geek and she ended up winning. She split the prize with her partner. I think after the prize was split, that left her with like 100 100 grand so i mean she had a good chunk of change at first after that she goes to rock a love trying to win brett michaels heart if you're not familiar which i wasn't when i first watched the show no offense brett michaels was the drug no good t- no lead singer 
Yeah, it's a poison. I'm so sorry. I had to remember. <laughs> he was the lead singer of Poison. It's like a famous 80s, 90s band. They they were Every Rose has a thorn. That's if Every you Rose, know, you know that's yeah. Oh my gosh, if you watch the show, man, the fact that they work in that song in almost every episode of the three seasons is crazy. He fucking sang that song in almost every damn episode. It's like, let it go. He was like, I really need to tell you how I feel. I just don't know how I would. Now, I, except for song. I hate that song so much now, and I believe it's because of that. I don't know. Maybe it was just the times. Uh, maybe I'm a bitter bitch. Uh, Every Rose Has a Storm is n- was never a good song to me. It just didn't hit me. Like <laughs> I think two things can be true. You might be a bitter bitch and it might not be a good song. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're right. <laughs> <sighs> so she tried to win Brett Michaels' heart. That didn't work. She was actually on season one. Um, so after she got cut, off of that show, she actually went on I Love Money next, which is like a compilation of all those of love stars, like the Rock of Love, the Flavor of Love, the I Love New York, all those rejects uh-huh. get, on, get on I Love Money. And instead of trying to win the heart and be a couple with one of those people, they end up competing to win money at the end. So uh, she actually made it pretty far. I think she made like top four top three or four and then she ended up quitting because she didn't want the jury to decide her fate so she just walked off so i mean whatever after that like you said she ended up going to charm school season two which was hosted by um sharon osborne a a problematic person in her own right yes yes boo her I actually I'm don't not, know if I boo her. I haven't really looked into it that well, much. Well, you've you've already solidified your boot and I thumbs up it, so nah. It's just that. it's that charm school season two is the the subpar one. Like charm school season one's amazing, and then you go to season two and it's like it's not good. Oh, I 100 percent agree with that. Yeah. I, I even tried one time to rewatch it, and it's like maybe the first episode or two, it's like entertaining, and then it's not. Whereas Charm School, that shit entertaining the whole season. Charm School season like one Like Monique, was, yeah. Yeah, it was amazing because they were trying to change themselves. Yeah, and even if some of that was and scripted, then, that some, a lot of that emotion was real. And then season two, it's just like, where this is what a rock star does. Yeah. It lost it. Lost the flavor. Uh-huh. <laughs> Literally. Um <laughs> So, yes. Okay. So, yes, she was on season two of Charm School, hosted by Sharon Osbourne. Definitely got more popular following the reunion when she was going to announce her Megan Wants a Millionaire show. But uh, instead, according to Megan Hauserman, the story was the reunion show was booked. They're supposed to be doing it at this point in time. She was celebrating the fact that she got her own show, her and her friend Brandy C., so um, apparently they were supposed to shoot at this time, but Sharon Osborne was like four or five hours late. So what did they do in the meantime? What they did on all the other shows, they drank. <laughs> and when I re, re when you look at the reunion clip again, you can definitely tell by her answers. Megan's fucked up. Like yeah. she's she's slurring. She don't sound all the way there. And for some reason, I've, I think I've only watched the reunion like one and a half times. I did not catch that. But then again, I was a teenager. I, I didn't even touch drinks until I was like 18. So I really didn't know what that would look like. 
So yeah, I didn't know that at first, but she definitely seems fucked up. She says that Sharon never liked her throughout the whole taping. So now they're at the reunion and she's on the couch getting her interviews, getting her questions. And uh, she's talking about she got her her sur- her dog, Lily, got a surgery so she can't have uh, babies. She can't breed. And then Sharon makes a comment like, I don't think you should be able to, to breed. One of you is enough. And, you know, they go back and forth. These are uh-huh. the jabs. And she says something about Ozzy Osbourne. I, <laughs> nobody says what she said because the shit was bleeped out. And I've never been able to figure out what she said about Ozzy Osbourne relating to Sharon. But apparently whatever she said pissed her off enough that she grabbed that cup acting like she was going to walk off stage, grabbed that cup and threw all that shit straight on Megan and then attacked her essentially like tried to punch her, ripped out her hair and some shit. Yeah. Didn't she like grab her hair? I think that's what I remember from it. Yeah, because uh, she yeah, she definitely roughed her up because when you see security escorting Megan off the stage, hair's fucked up. Looks like somebody tried to rip that shit out of there if they didn't already. <laughs> she ends up uh, filing a whole lawsuit against her. Two years later, ends up getting settled the day before it goes to court. So petty. But uh, so she must have got her money. Sharon didn't want them problems. So they're all squared away on that business. Uh, but that that was in the future. But anyway, after the reunion show, Megan Wants a Millionaire is announced. It's the same recipe with all the other shows. You got like 17 men vying for one woman's attention. The only twist is that these men are supposedly well-established men who are millionaires. Millionaires in quotes, because can't be verified and people lie. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was going to say. Do they have to like give a big statement? Yeah, and then I'm also going to tell you Later, when we get into more of Ryan's story, why I question that whole millionaires, if it really was true or not. Okay. At the time, I'm a teenager. Katrina was happy. All I did was watch reality TV shows. If I wasn't watching reruns of the regular shows and sitcoms, I always watched like fucking The Simpsons and Yes, Dear, and Everybody Loves Raymond and Woman Grace and shit. Uh-huh. So if I wasn't watching that shit, I was watching reality TV show. For some reason, I just love the trashy shows about dating and love when they are never really dating, nor are they in love. So it starts out, like I said before, with a group of men trying to be with uh, Megan. Among those men was Ryan. He was billed as a real estate developer worth $2.0 approximately, supposedly, allegedly. Okay. So as episodes one and two aired and I watched those, it seemed like Ryan was making a solid impression on Megan and that Megan liked him. Then came episode three that premiered on August 16th, 2009. Now, I personally do not remember this third episode airing. I thought that this was already snatched off the air before, but apparently, according to the Internet, episode three did air episode three aired August 16th and it was the day before where an unidentified woman was found in a dumpster in Buena Park, California, found mutilated, strangled and stuffed in a suitcase. They found out three days later that this model's name was Jasmine Fiore. What's so upsetting and disturbing about this is that they could not identify Jasmine for three days because her teeth and her fingers were missing. 
Oh, that was deliberate. Yeah, they said they had they only identified Jasmine by the serial numbers on her breast implants. Oh. Which is like you you that's a neat, great way to identify people somebody, but that's like a tragic, horrible way that she that was the only way that we would have found out that was Jasmine. I feel like that is a common thing. I'm surprised he didn't also hide those. Well, I I don't know if he thought that through. And Maybe. I didn't I didn't know that that was even a thing you could identify people by until I heard about this case, actually. Yeah, maybe maybe it's like before this whole true crime wave and all that. So he didn't know. But I mean, you, you always hear about that, like uh, breast implants or um, hip and hip hip replacements, anything that they put in your body. Mm-hmm. It has a serial number on it. Mm. I didn't think about that. I've never. That's that's smart. <laughs> Duh, uh, yeah, you gotta I, make parts. I mean, yeah, I did not know that. It is just a part, and like, even if it's not like to identify someone, it could be if something went wrong with the part, you could be like, oh, it's this serial number that's causing an issue. Maybe mm. we need to get this batch off of there that you know also goes with the serial number. See, yeah, that's a great way that you connected those things because that does make sense. But if nobody put that in my head, I I would not have ever thought about that. But yeah, that's, that's smart. Good thing that those, those people are smarter than me. (laughs) So, I mean, good thing he was dumb because her identified. Yeah. Cause the, the even more tragic thought is what would have happened if like, how would she have ever been identified? She Besides eventually, like somebody maybe saying she was missing, maybe connecting it to Ryan. But yeah, you just never know. Yeah, and it with, would have taken a lot longer. Mm-hmm. And with the way America has missing women, yeah, it could be unsolved. Uh huh. So the connection between Jasmine Fiore and Ryan was that they were married, married for almost five months now. I just said that Ryan was in a reality TV show vying for Megan. How did that happen? What ended up happening is that during, first of all, all these shows are filmed months in advance. If you know reality TV, you already know that. Some even like a year or two in advance, which is crazy to me. Even though he had been married to Jasmine five months, that did not happen until after Megan Wants Millionaire had ended. Apparently, Megan Hauserman really liked Ryan so much so that even though it's forbidden, they were having like a outside relationship to the show. Like they were talking on the phone, which you know you are forbidden to have contact with the outside world or fellow contestants when you're in a reality dating show. They liked each other so much. That's what they were doing. She even gets to like uh, closer to the finals and she wants to pick Ryan. She wants to wants him to win. She goes to the producers, basically says, hey, uh, I really like Ryan. I would like to pick him. Now, the producers can't sway. They can't outright say, don't pick this man. But basically strongly influenced her, strongly suggested that Ryan is kind of unpopular amongst us and, you know, people. And uh, he doesn't really have the charisma or whatever. We don't we 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 don't think people will like it if you pick them. Yeah, and um, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but you keep saying Ryan Garcia, and I believe his name is Ryan Jenkins. 
Oh, if you got into this part of the podcast, you've gotten to the part where Jose waited forever in a day to tell me that even it's though not my, have, it's not my even research. though even it's though I have research. Jenkins in here, I've been saying Garcia like for real. I'll edit out most <laughs> of the Garcias besides like the first one. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. Well, well, okay. So anyway, RJ Ryan Jenkins, terrible person. Anyway. So Megan really likes Ryan Jenkins and uh, tells the producer she wants to pick them, wants to pick him. The producers strongly influence her, even though they can't outright tell her not to, that Ryan doesn't really have charisma. Ryan is really testing unpopular amongst everyone. We wouldn't do that if we were you. She ends up listening to the producers, of course, because she doesn't want to be on their bad side. She eliminates Ryan. He ends up going out third. Um, So not quite to the finals, but pretty much Ryan made it to the finals. Yeah. But we don't know that. And nobody ever got to see it because, you know, they pulled everything. Uh So um, Megan's plan is she still likes Ryan. Uh, filming's about to wrap. After filming wraps, she decides I'm going to contact Ryan and um, tell him how I feel and that, you know, we can basically, that's a TV show. Outside of the TV show, I want to get to know you, something like that. But before she kind of can even get into it, uh, into the, uh, when they call and finally talk, he basically says, hey, I went uh, after the show, I was kind of very down on myself. I didn't was very upset, went to Las Vegas, met this girl. She's my soulmate, ended up getting married. And was this his, like, he just met her or did he know her before? Just met her. Like two, no, like met her and then like two days later married her. Damn, that's crazy. Yeah. And one of the show's producers, um, Mark Cronin, he says like based off the person he met, during the time of Megan Wants a Millionaire and then later when he's in I Love Money, which we'll get to shortly, he says that Ryan just seemed like that guy who just wanted a trophy wife. So when he lost Megan in the competition, he wanted like a replacement. Like he went out and found somebody to be his trophy wife, essentially. Yeah, he was just looking for look, I guess. Yeah, just like the status, the look. Like you're, you're, you know, men kind of feel like if, if you got to have it all, you got to have, you got to look good yourself. You got to have the money and the chick that you're with got to look good too. He wanted that arm candy. Mm-hmm. Afterwards, he ends up, uh, get casted for I love money three after Megan wants a millionaire is done filming. And he actually won that show, which was crazy. Yeah. But we never find out about that because once again, when everything came to the surface, they pulled that season as well. So like I mentioned before, Mark Cronin, who is a co-founder of 51 Minds, which is one of the companies that produced and uh, created Megan Wants a Millionaire and was a part of I Love Money 3. He talks about Ryan Jenkins in this way. He says he kept telling her on the phone I'm going to win this and you and I are going to have the life I've always promised. He's talking about while Ryan Jenkins was uh, filming in Mexico, I Love Money 3, while Jasmine, his wife, was still in uh, Las Vegas, Nevada. Then he would ask her, where were you last night? 
he was very jealous and very suspicious of her. We were actually making a story of it on the show. We were, we were like, look at this guy. He's obsessed with this model he married. It was funny until it wasn't funny at all. Yeah, I mean, reality TV shows that eat that shit up. Because they're always looking for an angle, like a plot line that they can kind of uh, isolate and exploit. <laughs> no offense, but that's what it is. So I could definitely see them uh, taking this jealous man who keeps calling his wife and saying, yeah, I'm going to do this for you. Yeah, I'm going to do this. Where, where were you last night? Who were you with? Uh-huh. And it, yeah, like he said, it's all fun and games until shit happens, like serious shit happens. And I, I mean, I trust Mark Cronin because at this point, I mean, what is there to lie about? He's saying that he called him on the phone because they have the, they're always mic'd up that we're going to win this. Uh, you and I are going to have the life I always promised. Right. Yeah. I love money. The prize uh, was $250,000. Ryan was billed as a millionaire less than six months ago, 2.5 million, his net worth. That's why I'm like, there's a disconnect. That's why I know that they don't really check these people. Nobody's vetted. You could just say anything because how is $250,000 going to give you guys the life you've always wanted when you're supposed to be a real estate, like a successful real estate developer? Yeah, shit ain't adding up. Yeah, so he might have had some other things on his mind as well. And not excusing it, but just saying like that could be his he's probably in a bad mindset already as well. It certainly didn't end up funny when everything was all said and done. When Jasmine's body was found, like I said, she was mutilated because it took those three days to identify her. Even though she was found August 5th, 15th, um, it didn't take until August 18th. So then August 1929, VH1 puts Megan Wants a Millionaire on indefinite hiatus. Because now Ryan Jenkins is named as a prime suspect, especially because he's her husband. Where is he? What happened? They can't find him. He's he's ran off. Now, personally, when I heard this, I honestly couldn't believe it. This is before I'm into true crime. The only thing I was watching was that would maybe be on that wavelength was probably like America's Most Wanted. But even then, those stories don't seem too real to you as a child because you're not you don't know all the dangers of the world yet, I guess. Yeah. So I I had just never watched like somebody on a TV show, like what was supposed to be like a light, fun, flirty day dating TV show be labeled and uh, shown as like a criminal, but not only like a criminal, like an actual like murderer. So I was like definitely shocked. I didn't know what to think. What did you hear about this when it was happening in the real time? Like him being on the run, him killing his wife. Yeah, I remember because I was watching Major Once Millionaire. It went off air, and I didn't really know why at the time. And mm-hmm. I don't know if it was on Nancy Grace. It might have been. Um, That's your source. Yeah, but you know, I was plugged into HLN like every night. I would watch it, so yes. I heard. Of he's a suspect, Jasmine has been murdered, but I always thought like it was going to he was going to be in the clear or something. I don't know. You like you were saying, when you see someone on TV, you and it's coming from a lights TV show, you think it's oh, it's just gonna be like a plot point kind of. It's like not connecting. Yeah, you just don't see them as like cold-blooded killers at that point because they're not framed as such. But yeah, that shit was crazy. Unfortunately, days later, even though I had so many questions like, 
What's going to happen with the show? Are they going to find him? What's going to happen when they find him? I wonder why he did it. Everyone would get like a ending to the story, but nobody would get their questions answered. According to filmdaily.co, which I think that's because it's like a outside the country website. After killing his wife of five months, Jenkins went from the crime scene in California to Hope, British Columbia. Once over the border, Jenkins had stopped at the Thunderbird Motel on August 20th and paid for three nights. When he failed to check out on the 23rd, the motel manager decided to look in on the room and found Jenkins dead, hanging from a clothes rack by a belt. After the shock of these two deaths and everybody basically laying Jasmine to rest and also mourning the loss of Ryan, because even though Ryan did what he did, he still had family who cared for him. So um, after they laid these two people to rest, then everybody started looking at the shows and the company and the network VH1. Yeah. So the thing is that that everybody started passing the buck and trying to figure out how the fuck did Ryan Jenkins get on reality TV? Because granted, maybe he didn't hurt anybody on Megan Wants a Millionaire and maybe he didn't hurt anybody on I Love Money 3. But with such a short amount of time of him being uh after he's off of these reality tv shows and then doing something so crazy and drastic people are wondering did the shows have something to do with it did he have something in his past that would have foretold that something like this could have happened and he was still led on tv everybody's trying to figure it out people start looking at vh1 vh1 says releases a statement basically saying hey this is on 51 minds uh, because this is an independent show created and produced by 51 Minds, and 51 Minds put this together. They, VH1 erases all traces of Megan Wants a Millionaire uh, from the website. The reruns are gone. Um, they pull uh, I Love Money. They even uh, made 51 Minds reimburse them $12 million for I Love Money 3. So Damn. then, it, yeah, it was serious. Then 51 Minds... Uh, is like, well, it's not really on us. We use collective intelligence for our background checks, and that's who we sent all the contestants to. That's who was supposed to come back with the background checks. If they would have came back dirty, we would have never had Ryan on there. We don't, we don't know what's happening. Then it comes back to collective intelligence, who actually had a, a, like a big working relationship with Viacom. And if you know Viacom, Viacom owns... All the big, uh, the, all the big channels. They want, they own everything. They even own BET. You thought it was owned by black people? Think again. And Nickelodeon, I think. Like they own C, like CBS, uh, MTV, VH1, BET. Uh, they own them all, pretty much. So, and that's who. Uh, and they were using collective intelligence. So, collective intelligence says, well, we've done over 500,000 background checks and we've never had anything come back wrong like this. The only thing is we don't do background checks outside of the United States. Ryan Jenkins was a uh, Canadian, was Canadian, was born in Canada. How do people say he's a Canadian native? Something like that. 
But yeah, he was born in Canada. So when they found that out, they sent Ryan Jenkins' background check to be done. They outsourced it to a company called Straight Line International. And when Straight Line International got back to collective intelligence, they basically said that Ryan uh, Ryan's uh, background check was clean, which was not accurate. Ooh. They don't say if there was more than they don't say everything, but basically he did have a former assault charge. Uh, in 2005, he was arrested for assaulting his girlfriend in Calgary. Calgary is a city in Alberta, Canada, but that was never found out. And then when everybody finds out, finds out this is after he's already killed Jasmine and killed himself. And I'm sorry, did you say how Jasmine was murdered? Strangled. Like her body was, they, they found it was strangulation. And then he mutilated her. And then he stuffed her in that suitcase and dumped her. And not to get into specifics because I know people don't like hearing about, but the mutilation was done to hide her identity, right? It it would have had to been because if you watch true crime, if you listen to any of those videos, shows, or podcasts, there's no other reason except for like a sick, twisted interest in it that you would want to take those items off of somebody. Usually you would only take those specific things from somebody if you don't want them to ever be identified. Yeah, that's fine. And I'm, I'm just wondering if it, like mutilation, if there was like an overkill thing where he kept hitting her after she had died. But it sounds like it's just... It's not, yeah, I don't think in, in this case it was an overkill. I think he did i think he killed his wife he knew he fucked up and tried in the worst way to try to cover it up so they wouldn't find out who she was if they ever found that body and then he killed himself and then he killed himself once the body was not only found but then three days later she was identified because the thing is she was jasmine was found August 15th, but in August 15th, she's a Jane Doe. She's not Jasmine until August 18th, right? Yeah. Then August 19th is when she, he's, uh, Ryan Jenkins is officially named as a suspect. They kill the show and they're on the lookout for him. He crosses the border and checks into a hotel August 20th. Now, he could have waited the next day or two, but I think he he must have killed himself that same day. Okay. But that's just a theory on my part. But that's that's basically the timeline on how all that happened. And then Mark Cronin, who I uh, talked earlier about being a co-founder of 51 Minds, is quoted as saying, it's the worst thing to ever happen to me in my career. And then this woman, Erica Worth, who founded Collective Intelligence, uh, chimes in and says, When something comes that close to home, that's a really scary thing. The effects of it were devastating. However, I am grateful because I feel like it changed reality TV forever. I think it really did change reality TV. I think at that time, they had like their own little universe, the I Loves and I Love Money, I Love New York, the Flavor of Love, all that stuff. And it kind of put an end to all those shows. Yeah. Like that block that VH1 had, because that's what I remember watching all of them. And then after that happened, like 
you know, it didn't end reality shows, but it ended those. And that, okay, that's a good way of seeing it. I personally did not like her statement. Cronin, his is the worst thing that ever happened to me in a career. I mean, that sounds about accurate. It probably should be. I thought she sounded a little tone deaf. And and maybe I'll tell you what I think. And you tell me if I'm off or I'm just thinking about it too much. I didn't like how she's like at the end. However, I'm grateful because I feel like it changed reality TV forever. My thinking why I don't like her saying that is because of this situation happening. This what she's talking about that changed reality TV forever was a woman dying because she didn't have to. Because the checks and balances were not up to par at at least two different background check agencies, a a man who should have never been on reality TV show was empowered enough to be on reality TV show and then get on another one and then had the connection or the whatever to then um, take that off and then find somebody and they marry. Now, who knows? This could have still happened if he never got on a reality TV show. I don't know. But I just felt like it was a weird way to frame it. I would have reworded it and maybe took out the the gratefulness. I would have said this was an unfortunate, sad event that happened. But it changed the landscape of reality TV, which needed to be changed. Because they needed, like you said, it changed that whole block of the Of Love's dating show Dating shows came back eventually, but not for a while. And it made people up their vetting process um, and their procedures, which is something that they needed to do, obviously. Yeah. I just didn't like how she worded it. But like I could be, I could be I, just I don't know. I'm not read I'm not reading it like that. I could see it. I, feel, I, I feel like the first one is kind of more insulting. It's the worst thing that ever happened to me in my career. It's the worst thing that happened to your career, but you still have a life. You know, she lost her life. Maybe you should focus more on what happened to her than what happened to your career. See, look at you. That's a good ass way. Yeah, fuck that one too. I mean, I didn't even think about it like that. Which, but when people say stuff like that, Mm, he so could be, centered. Mm. <laughs> he could be saying like it's the worst thing happened to my career. I wish it would never have happened, type of thing. Yeah, you should elaborate a little bit more. That's with these statements. I mean, you could pick apart either one. Well, now that you think about it, that first one needs to be picked apart more than old girls. That yeah, that's why I thought you were going to. Dang, no, that's why I have you to show me where I um <clears throat> I'm not getting the full scope of things that's why like things have different interpretations Uh but yeah okay so um that that there's not a good way to kind of end this segment you know we lost two people's lives one and we never really know why or what happened or what made ryan decide to snap not that Um, it matters but i mean it, it it doesn't but it's just like it was crazy that everything was okay until it wasn't this man just won a TV show. He was supposedly married to a very attractive model who was with him. And then it just all went up in flames. And then instead of turning himself in, instead of to facing his crimes and what he did, he, he decided to take his own life. And everybody's left with the answers and the pain. Maiden can't even really release a statement. Do you know if she did? I mean, I feel like if she did, that would be crass too. Um. 
I mean, she basically just said at first she couldn't believe that Ryan did it and because uh, she had known him personally. And then uh-huh. when she found out when he uh, that he for sure did it, and he was on the run. She did say that she was kind of actually scared that he might come after her. Why would Mostly, he come after her? I, I have no idea. She didn't explain that. In the okay. court, but she said she was worried for a second that he might come after her. But um, she just expressed, you know, remorse for the tragic event that took place that took Jasmine's life. And that, unfortunately, the Ryan that she knew, the Ryan that she knew, basically, she didn't know him to be this person. The only thing you honestly can say after something like that. Yeah. But, you know, Megan was only 28 at the time of her death, which is very sad. That's our age now. I know. That is sad. She didn't even really get a chance to really live her life. No. And you don't really know that her side of the story because she's not the biggest name in this. No, I. that's what's also unfortunate. Anytime someone that has a little blip of stardom, they they become a story. Jasmine's story does not, you know, anytime it's going to be brought up of her death, it's going to be, oh, he was on Made Once a Millionaire and, you know, he murdered her. She's mm-hmm. a little blip in it. Mm-hmm. And you don't really hear about her life, unfortunately. Yeah. So that is uh, very unfortunate. So the next story that I'm going to talk about involves um, two stars who came together to do another show that it got pulled even before it aired. At least with Megan Wants a Millionaire, there was a couple episodes we didn't even get this far. And the Ooh, show... Can I guess? Okay, yeah, I guess. Is it Ocho Cinco? No. Oh. That's the only couple I think I know. Ocho Cinco on Evelyn from Basketball Wives. Yes, it's even Ocho. <laughs> I didn't like how you guessed. Is it? Is is that it? Yeah, it is. Ah, I, I just I've always been a fan of Evelyn's. I know, I know. <laughs> For some reason, and I feel like it, even though I haven't been a, a real big fan of Evelyn's, I feel like I still can take credit for that. Like I put you on that trajectory. I, I don't think so. I randomly watched Basketball Wife season one, which she was on, and she got into a fight with Tammy, and she was talking about having an affair with Tammy's ex, and she's like, "And you weren't a motherfucking factor," and I just screamed, "You're not a motherfucking factor!" All the time. I haven't watched it in a while. Oh, I, I remember when you did that. When I know she's problematic, face. but yeah, we're gonna kind of well, not really into hers, but yeah, she is problematic. Some people like her. Some people hate her. She 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 affects people on all different scales of the spectrum. Yeah, I only watched her season one, maybe season two. So I don't don't come at me if she's done something recently. Oh, <laughs> uh, we are. You're responsible for all her things. Uh huh. So Evelyn Lozada and Chad Ocho Cinco, also known as Chad Johnson, he legally changed his name back and forth from Ocho Cinco to Johnson. Ocho Cinco. Uh, being his numbers on his jersey, 85, even though that is not the correct translation in Spanish. Correct, Jose? Correct. One thing so, I know is my numbers. I, <laughs> you better tell them. So um, Chad and Evelyn were two stars that came from two different career paths that got involved with reality TV separately and then came together. Chad was a wide receiver in the NFL since 2001. 
And Evelyn was a secretary to a lawyer and then a co-owner of a shoe boutique in Florida um, before being cast in Basketball Wives in 2010. Now, in 2010 is also the year that these two ended up coming together. Um, Chad even starred in some of the episodes of Basketball Wives with Evelyn. They dated for a while, and then in less than a year, they get engaged. Time passes, and they ended up getting married July 4th, 2012. Now, their wedding was filmed. Um, this was all a part of them embarking in their own journey of creating their show together called Even Ocho that would basically show their journey of from engagement to marriage and all the in-betweens, you know, planning it, how the relationship is, their dynamic, so-and-so-and-so, and so you know, all those things that those shows do. Yes, so um, even talking about it before the show premiered, of course, which it never did, Evelyn says, quote, what I noticed with a lot of dating shows with couples, you don't really see the real. Everything's all great and everything's peaches and cream. And for me and him, we're like an open book. We speak about everything. We're very controversial with conversations we have. We're also just very real as to the things we deal with. Maybe Chad will get cursed out a couple times. I'm just saying, which he has. Okay. Did he have a show before? I felt like he had one. He did have his own dating show on VH1 called The Ultimate Catch. And it Mm. was just like those other shows, except for less guests, uh, football themed in some of the challenges. I felt like you had another one, but maybe that's the one I'm thinking of. I think you're thinking of Terrell Owens. He's another football star who had a couple VH1 shows. I know my football stars. (laughs) (laughs) He was on Dancing with the Stars, Chad Ochocinco. But that's the only reality show I can think of besides the dating show was the dating uh, Dancing with the Stars. Maybe it was the dating show. You don't I think fucking know. I think that's what it was. <laughs> God damn. You had me going through all these loops for nothing. I want you to tell me everything about Chad Ochoa, please. No, because every time I do that, you fucking complain. It's three hours long. I'm trying to give you cliff notes in this episode and I'm getting criticized. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. How fucking dare you? <laughs> anyway. Um, so yeah, so she, that's her explaining basically that, you know, other shows might be fake. They might cut, they might edit. That's not going to happen here. We're going to show you the real, we're going to show you that we have conversations. We argue, but we love each other, whatever. Uh But unfortunately things did become, I guess, too real or I guess too violent, uncontrollable. And this show would never see the light of day, including the finale that filmed their wedding that they had July 4th, August 11th, 2012. According to Evelyn, when she was appearing on Ianla Fix My Life in September 2012, she told Ianla that there were several red flags that she ignored before she gave her side of what happened. She said on this particular night on August 11th, she was out grocery shopping with one of Chad's daughters. August 11, 2012? 
August 11, 2012. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, the the incident happened August 11, 2012. She gave the Iyanla interview the next month. Yeah. So they were married like a month. Oh yeah. They were not married very long. Yeah. This all happened. I think they said the accurate was 41 days before everything got blew up and before she filed. Okay. Uh, So anyway. Um, she said on this particular night, August 11, 2012, she was out grocery shopping with one of Chad's daughters. When they got home and were taking the groceries inside the car, she ended up finding a receipt for a box of condoms in the trunk. Uh, oh. was, yeah. If you don't cheat, you can't be messy. You can't be leaving those sloppy things behind. Not if you don't cheat. <laughs> you got my nerves. You is nothing but a cheater. I, I'm anti-cheater. I discovered yeah. recently. Not recent. We'll, t- we'll talk about it later. Um, so, yeah, what was even more sad about the whole thing was that the receipt was dated three weeks after the wedding. Oh, so, no. Yeah, so it was, like, kind of immediately. Because, you know, let's say the honeymoon is, like, a week, week and a half. So, like, a week and a half later, you already started cheating. Yeah. So, uh, she calls Chad like hey I need to talk to you about something Chad comes over and then they she gets in his car or he gets in her car either way they're in a car together at this point and she tells him about the receipt that she found and she's basically saying you know I'm 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 going to leave you I'm not going to stay with you if this is what you're doing um she says he kept saying it wasn't his and he bought them for somebody else you know the bs he grabbed my ears, and that's when he headbutted me. I started bleeding, and I was a little in shock. All I kept telling him was, your daughter is in the house. So she gets headbutted by Chad. He's yelling and screaming at her. She tries to calm him down, but eventually she ends up running to a neighbor's house to get away from him. Uh-huh. Um, after she gets to the neighbor's house, the neighbor calls the police and mentions, I have a neighbor over here. She has an injury that's definitely going to need stitches. When the police arrive, based off the reports that Evelyn give, Chad gives, and the other witnesses, which, which I assume would be the neighbors, Chad ends up getting arrested for battery and domestic violence. The officer even reports a three-inch gash on Evelyn's forehead and no visible bruises or injuries on Chad, even though Chad had told the police that they argued and it was Evelyn who headbutted him. Now, both Did you of, see that picture of Evelyn? I was, that's exactly what I was going okay. to say. Go ahead, say your thoughts. I mean, that's a gnarly fucking dash on her forehead. Like, I don't believe that mm-hmm. she hit him as a headbutt as well. I, it just doesn't seem as a, not to be sexist, but like a woman thing to do, I feel like. I feel like a woman would, Evelyn would more like slap him, dig her claws into him, something like that. Scratch him, punch him, slap yeah. him. Yeah. Hit him, like kick him with her, if she's wearing heels. Some, I just don't see her, like, if you see a man, especially Chad Ochoa he has a bigger head. He has a big ass head. He's a football player. That's the fucking culture knocking your fucking heads together like idiots. And his mugshot is available the next day. Well, not available the next day, but you see it was taken when he got arrested. 
This man has not nary a bruise injury on his face. And you, like you said, mentioned um, Evelyn, like both of these, these pictures can be easily pulled up on Google images and you see Evelyn's head. It's a big ass scar, especially in the middle of your forehead. And it looks like, uh, like maybe some bruising by her eyebrow. You could, and if there was even the chance that she might've done that action, there should be something on Chad, but there's not because there's not, then that nigga did it. And I'm just trying to picture, like, if they're sitting down in the car and she, like, saying his side of story, if she would grab his head, it mm-hmm. would still be, like, at a weird angle because I imagine sitting down, he still would be taller. Exactly. She would hit, like, his mouth or something. Like, so it, it's not making sense at all. Yeah, it doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. Um, he ends up being, being released on $2,500 a bond. I said that weird, but y'all know what I mean, Uh, which I thought was ridiculous. Honestly, I felt like it's either these this department, the police department as a whole really likes Chad or really protects celebrities or they really don't give a fuck about domestic abuse victims, because this is what I'm seeing. There is visible evidence that this man hurt this woman. And it's already reported this man has no injuries. Evelyn stated at the time she was pressing charges. So it's not like Evelyn backed out. Uh-huh. Chad is obviously established and has money. Why is the bond so low? 10% is 250 fucking dollars. Even Ooh. I have that. That is so- real cheap. Exactly. It makes it, it that kind of blew my mind why the bond was so low and he was just able to be free. I think it is night. because it is domestic violence. Even though there was just so much proof, which just pisses me off. Like I could see it if it's like uh, you don't know what way it fell. Maybe both of these parties have a history of coming back together, leaving together. They both did their dirt or you know, whatever. But it, I, I just didn't, for like a celebrity, there should be higher consequences, but whatever. As we'll see, he kind of gets off very lightly. A day later, after the arrests made public, he had just signed with the Miami Dolphins not that long ago. Uh, he got He gets released. They cut him. He actually only ended up playing one preseason game before this all happened. Then uh, VH1 makes their statement. They say, due to the unfortunate events over the weekend and the seriousness of the allegations, bullshit allegations, it's not. But anyway, back to the quote. Due to the unfortunate events over the weekend and the seriousness of the allegations, VH1 is pulling the series, Even Ocho, from its schedule and has no current plans of airing it. The network confirmed in a statement to the Daily News. After this uh, unfortunate incident, Chad goes to Twitter and uh, tweets like, I've made my bed, now I have to sleep in it. And yeah. uh, th- this is what an ABC uh, news anchor shows or tells Evelyn in an interview, uh, that tweet. And then he actually had a statement and she reads part of the statement to Evelyn as well, which uh, said, I wish Evelyn nothing but the best. I have no negative words to say about her. And the only thing I can say is I love her very much. 
And she asks Evelyn, like, how does that make you feel? And Evelyn is like, well, you know, it makes me sad to hear that because, you know, you love somebody so much. But when they do something like basically unexcusable, you have to let them go. You have to do what's best for yourself. You have to save yourself. Yeah. So when it comes down to the whole case, eventually he first said he he first pleads not guilty. But he does not want to go to jail. He knows he did it. Everybody fucking knows he does. He did it. So he eventually pleads no contest to avoid jail time. Mm. And he he gets sentenced to a year probation. Uh, He has to meet with his PO periodically, I guess, to whatever schedule they they schedule him to and um, has to attend anti-domestic violence classes. He ends up violating this very easy probation, according to the L.A. Times, because he failed to show proof of signing up for a class and he missed his meetings with his PO, probation officer. So because of this, there was a warrant uh, out for his arrest when he either uh, turned himself in or got caught up. It honestly doesn't really matter in the situation. He gets released on a thousand dollar bond. Oh, $100. We just keep getting lower on the bond. Don't you love it? When the original case was this man, like, trying to crack somebody's head open, essentially. That's crazy to me. Yeah. So does he end up going to classes? I have no fucking idea. So what? Well, no, because he doesn't get sentenced to classes again. Uh, He he gets released on the thousand dollar bond. It's given a court date at the court date. He gets a they reach a plea bargain. The plea bargain was to keep this man out of jail again because he don't want to go to jail. But uh, when he is asked if he's satisfied with his lawyer right before the judge signs off on the plea agreement, this fucking idiot slaps his uh, lawyer on the ass. Um, And, you know, uh, the courtroom ends up laughing. And I guess think if you're trying to picture it like it's you know with the football and basketball uh-huh. players do when it's like good game, good play, that bullshit. So he slaps his lawyer on the ass. The judge, Catherine McHugh, sees this and she's not impressed, not happy at, at this at all. And basically is like, you're treating this into a joke. The whole courtroom laughed. This is not serious to you. What what do you think is funny? And Chad ends up like trying to apologize, saying, no, no, I I take this serious. You know, I'm just trying to, you know, I just try to keep positive and keep a smile on my face. But no, no, I think I don't think this is a joke. And I apologize. But she wasn't trying to hear it at that time. She ends up revoking the plea and um, sentenced him, sentenced, how do you say it? And she sentenced him to 30 days in jail. So. That ends up still not lasting long. After seven days, Chad comes back to the judge, uh, goes in front of her, I guess, gives her a more sincere apology. He says, I just wanted to apologize for disrespecting the court last time. I apologize. I did have time to reflect on the mistakes I made in this courtroom. She ends up reducing the sentence, basically suspending the rest of that jail time she gave him. And I'm guessing it goes back to the plea deal that he was originally going to sign, which was just community service and counseling. Mm. Yeah. Which is still soft. It's crazy. Um, 
Unfortunately, that is, I think, common with domestic violence cases. Especially for celebrities. I would say even regular people may get harder sentences, maybe not even jail time, but they get more restrictive probation and stuff like that. But he barely got anything. Yeah. So time passed. Um, Chad was uh, given pass passes in the sense of still being welcomed in social media spaces, but was never given a another spot on the team in the NFL again. So he never played in the NFL again, but he's still prominent on Instagram and Twitter, even to the point where four years later, SportsCenter, I think, made a tweet uh, in 2013 when the whole slapping his lawyer on the ass situation happened. They um, sent a tweet out saying, like, uh, Ocho Cinco sentenced to 30 days in jail for slapping lawyer on the butt. So it's been four years later, it's 2017. Uh, Chad makes a joke uh, in a tweet basically saying, uh, what you in for? Um, he says, I slapped my uh, lawyer on the butt. What are you in for? The inmate says, triple homicide. <laughs> and it's um, like, it's kind it, of funny, but then it's like, but that's not really how, what got you into the situation. Yeah. I mean, it is kind of stupid that he got in trouble for slapping his lawyer on the butt. I get that. I guess here is contempt of court or whatever. Yeah, she tried to say the judge later said that um, I guess that was the last straw. But apparently Chad was also seen putting his arms like his arm around the female prosecutor after she told him no uh, once or twice. And she didn't like that as well. So I guess that just didn't help her impression. So when he slapped his lawyer, she was kind of done. And I'm assuming it was a male lawyer. His lawyer, yes, yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it's just kind of crazy because at first, no offense, I was kind of cheering the judge because this man hasn't hasn't really seen any harsh punishment. But even she takes that shit back. So it's just like, yeah, it's it's, it's stupid. Um, Chad and Eve, I feel like, have faced very different... I mean, I think it's been about the same in the real world, whereas Chad has gotten a very soft slap on the wrist and uh, Evelyn was kind of treated more harshly because Evelyn has been very vocal on Basketball Wives about, you know, F you, bitch, and do About everything, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, you're a non-motherfucking factor, throwing drinks, trying to throw shoes and all that. When this happened with Chad, you had some trash-ass people like, oh, she deserved it. Or, oh, you know, she used to do this and this. How do we not know that she didn't start it? And it's just like half of this, more than half of this reality TV shit is scripted, number one. And number two, just because you act a certain way one day, it does not mean somebody gets to abuse you the next yeah, I think with any case, though, that we see that a man is doing is hitting the woman. People don't take it seriously. People don't want to get involved in that type of thing. People say, I wasn't there. People say she was aging him on. You know, they have so many excuses for the man to hit a woman. Mm-hmm. I mean, I you could pull out any list of celebrities who have done 
domestic violence, Chris Brown being the number one poster boy for it. And like people still love him for some reason. Yeah. And I was on that shit in high school. I ain't going to say her name because, you know, I used I used to like her. But when that Chris Brown shit came out, she used to be a big Chris Brown fan. So I guess it was my fault anyway, because when I heard that shit, she was the first person I popped up to. Like, "Uh, did you hear what happened to your boy? (laughs) Know what he did? And she was like, man, you know, Rihanna probably did something to it. She deserved it. We fucking freshmen. I'm like, shut your ignorant ass up. Yeah. What do you mean? It's yeah. any, any celebrity that has a domestic violence case, you're going to hear that. Yeah, I mean, I have my faves too, but even I, I just can't. There's some swords I'm not falling for. And there's some things that you just got to, they're, they're too serious for these petty stand wars to even be a topic in the conversation. It's Look at the facts of the case, if anything. Like, I, I could, if you battle me with logic, that's acceptable. But I mean, he the, he's your favorite. He danced like MJ. Bitch, sit down. The point is, if a man puts his hands on a woman, you know, he's garbage. He's trash. Like, a woman shouldn't put her hands on a man either. But in most cases, the man's going to be stronger than the woman. He's going to be able to do more damage. Like, he's garbage. There's no defending it. Yeah, I agree with you, Jose. Yeah, so that's basically how this ends. Um, sh- uh they had a minor dust up in 2020 when a tweet came out uh, like Chad responded to a tweet saying, how do you stay so positive? What's your secret? And uh, Chad responded that, you know, he takes whatever opportunity necessary to remain happy. He says in the tweet, I lost my temper for once in life for three seconds and it cost me a lifetimes of work. No, a lifetime's worth of work. I got it all back plus some after getting a second chance and nothing will ever get me out of that happy space again. Now, Evelyn heard about this exchange. Uh, She was not happy about it. She responded on Instagram. Uh, It was like an Instagram live or Instagram video. And um, she was like, I woke up today to Chad's comment as much as I told myself I wasn't going to respond because it's not the first time he's made this comment which side note, it isn't. He made the same exact comment a year prior in 2019. Um, She says, I'm just tired. I'm really tired for this man to sit up there and say he lost his temper for three seconds is infuriating to me. Um, As much as I'm trying to heal from this, it's messages like this that are triggers for me. It wasn't the first time. One of the things I'm always going to do is live my truth, whether it's good whether it's bad, whether it's ugly. I'm not going to let anyone take away my fucking truth and put this perception out there for a pity party as if you made one mistake. I'm trying to move on from this, but as a victim, how am I supposed to move on? For anyone that is dealing with domestic violence, you don't let nobody fucking take away your truth. You don't let nobody make you feel like you're wrong for being honest and speaking up about something that happened to you. Let me be an example because I refuse to let the world and social media Attack me because I have always been honest about the situation. Yeah, I mean, I hate any time people try to make things, you know, they try to make themselves the victim. Like, I lost myself three sec, my temper three seconds, and I lost all these opportunities. Like, boo-hoo, that's on you. Like, that's your consequences. Like, you're not a superstar anymore because you super suck. 
<laughs> you got me at the end, but yes, I agree. And Avalyn, I-, I mean, she's can say what she wants. She's the victim in it. And I mean, good for her that she ended it so fast because that could have become a you know more common thing. Yep. Filed for divorce, said it was irretrievably broken. Um and, and and like you said, yes, this is her story. This is her truth. She's allowed to say whatever the fuck you want. He's being shady, trying because you know how I thought about it. It was like I lost my temper for three seconds. He's trying to frame himself as not being an angry person. He was always a good person. He just had a bad moment. But this is not a bad moment. This is that that's. This it was abuse, and for you to frame it as anything such as losing your temper, no, it resulted in permanent injury and scarring. Yeah, and, and, you, I mean, and you're still not even really taking all of the blame for it. You're still trying to, for and then when she, when she mentioned that he, this wasn't the first time he said this. I looked it up, and yeah, he literally the year before in 2019, another another tweet asking him how do you stay so positive and he responded basically the same way that he lost his temper for three seconds and lost everything and i was like is this like a pointed like trick that you look for a tweet like that so you can keep putting that narrative out there that you're you're a good person who just had a bad moment like i don't like that either like just stay low-key you know and 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 let that woman tell her story yeah, yeah, and I'm not saying he can't grow from this. He can't move on from this. Because if he does go to counseling, obviously, people can always change. Yeah, I agree. I just think that the way he's been responding after the incident say says a lot for his headspace. It does say and a lot. How, and how he views that incident that night. It becomes so. woe is me, and I don't like yeah. that shit. So, in 2022, Chad just had uh his his who knows his sixth seventh eighth i've heard this man have six kids i heard this man has nine kids whatever but he just had his most recent child with fiance sherelle rosado from netflix's selling tampa january 2nd uh so he's whoever who gives a fuck who cares uh evelyn is living her best life she's single uh she's still invested in businesses and you can still see her on reality tv on occasion Yeah, and you might not like her, but that does not mean in this situation she was wrong. I mean, she a bad bitch all along, you know? Yeah. She just got caught with a trash bitch. Yeah, that is true. But as far as the sources on these two stories, I got everything from USA Today, E! Online, EW.com, Film Daily, Variety, ABC News, and Miami Herald. Beautiful. We do like to end every episode on a positive note with some form of media that we relate to, that we want to talk about, that we want to explore a little. Do you want to go first or should I? You know, I got done talking about all this depressing thing. I think you should lighten us up first. Yeah, you kind of picked heavy ones today. I was not expecting that. I was expecting a light one. You always kind of go a little dark. It's my childhood. (laughs) (laughs) It's you know, it just keeps resurfacing. Okay. I had a media all day long, and now I can't remember where it was. So I'm just going to go with my media as... Anytime now. 
Okay, my media for this week will be drumroll, please. Oh, that was horrible. That was horrible. I'm sorry, I got my phone in one of my hands. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, it was a good one too. It wasn't because you can't remember it. It was. I felt like it was a good one because I remember it popped in my head. I'm like, oh my god, I can't wait to talk about that. You should have done what I do. I write that shit down in the notes real quick. Yeah, I. Yeah. Um, so I'll just say my media for this week is Taylor Swift album Folklore. If you is don't know. The, I was about huh? to say, is that the most recent one? Well, if you don't know about it, um, Taylor Swift during the quarantine, COVID, early stages, kind of that, when people weren't releasing their albums and pushing them back, she did this album during quarantine and released it and it was called folklore and it was like a surprise album and then she also released evermore so they're like sister albums um but folklore i like better and it's a kind of a different vibe from her which i was not a taylor swift fan to begin with but she has grown on me a lot so the ones on there that i do like are the song cardigan which is probably the most popular one i love a cardigan I do too. I always wear a cardigan. I have one in like every color. Um, yeah, you do have nice ones. I have to get pissed every time I see you in one. <laughs> My Tears Ricochet is a good one. And the one that's really great on there is This Is Me Trying, which is just some sad little song about, you know, this is you trying at this moment. You're doing the best you can. And I listened to it when it first came out. And I was kind of looking for a pop Taylor hit. And it's, you know, she doesn't really have those on there. So I put it away. I shelved it. And then I'm like, after Christmas was over, I was like, I always get so depressed after Christmas because it's, you know, all that cheer is gone. And there's just like nothing to look forward to. So I'm like... I know you was being real, but some about that is so right, but so funny. <laughs> so I wanted something to match my mood at the time. So I'm like, let me go back to like this somber type of album that is folklore. And I really fell in love with it this time. And then I saw the Disney Plus that she has like this live thing where she's like just singing it in a cabin. And it's just so great. And she like tells a little backstory of each song. It's amazing. What really made me fall in love with Taylor Swift, though, was her documentary, Miss Americana. So if you're not a Taylor Swift fan, I recommend you watching it. Nah. <laughs> I, well, you have to watch the documentary first before you say that. Our song is Slam Screen or Slam. See, I, That's my song right there. I know people love her earlier stuff. But I like her later stuff. I think I can count on one hand how many Taylor Swift songs I really enjoy. And Shake it off. You, you no, you'd be right. They delicate. No. Tears for share on their own cardigan. Lover. <laughs> Go you need to you, calm down. It would be all earlier. Oh. Me? Oh no, you love that one. <laughs> I love all of them now. You do. Okay. All right. That was cool. Mean. I think that's my favorite one of hers. Oh, that's what I thought when you were saying me. Okay, no, it's Mean, the one you always play. Uh-huh, Mean is my favorite Taylor Swift yeah. song. Okay, okay. That's your best one. 
Yeah, I don't know what her ba- should have said no. But then, you know, I always love calling somebody out. And that's an old one, too. Wildest Dreams. That's a sleeper, actually. I do kind of like Wildest Dreams. My second favorite <laughs> that people don't really talk about is This Is The Last Time. I think it's off her Red album. Taylor's Dang. version. I know. <laughs> you ain't paying that other shit. No, not Scooter. I like it. I like it. I support that. I'm glad she did that. You support because- Scooter? No, I support her. I Re- <laughs> Shut up. <You're- laughs> she, because the thing is, you know, I don't like Taylor sometimes, but well, I think maybe that's because that? I don't. That's a Swifties coming for you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I just have a thing about her, but I can acknowledge that she's been done wrong and she was kind of done wrong by Kanye and Kim about them lying on her. I know. I already have a bonus episode planned. Okay. (laughs) And she was definitely done wrong with the whole scooter situation and they tried to play her out. Uh-huh. the thing is they try to raise that shit because they know that she got money she could pay it if she want to yeah re-record that shit she does have a loyal fan base so you know she's going to get her stream she's going to get her money so i'm happy and they're like oh she dates all these guys it's like is she not allowed to date is she not allowed to date asshole she can date and write as many songs as she likes yeah didn't nobody say anything when you fucked john and matt in the same night stacy <laughs> what uh, I thought we were just giving like you know fic- fictitious. Oh, <laughs> I thought that was like something like I'm like who's Stacy? Who's John? Who's Matt? I don't have a John, Stacy, or a Matt in my life right now, so those were safe names to use. Right. <laughs> uh, but yeah, and I support it because Ashanti says she's gonna do the same thing, and I'm gonna support her. And what's his face? What's his name? Irv Gotti. Yeah, like I said, Ashanti. <laughs> yeah, he tried to come out and say Ashanti's being greedy. Oh, I thought you said he was recording shit. I was like, okay, I thought you said Yo Gotti. You said Irv Gotti. Yeah, fuck him. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, all right. Uh, let's see. What media can I have? Uh, I sh- it should probably be light. Yeah, bring this up. Bring this up. Um, I guess I'll just say right now. It, so I've been watching Insecure. Um. What's so funny is that by rewatching, first of all, Insecure just went off the air, like what, a month or two. So um, I was supposed to catch up and rewatch it so that I could watch the last season with everybody on Twitter. But that didn't happen because I got lazy and I got COVID and a host of other problems. But I am rewatching it now. And first thing I learned was. Uh, Katrina at one point in time actually did watch Insecure because I got a whole bunch of deja vu. Two, the music on Insecure is fantastic. Like every season, their soundtrack is great. So it's like a two in one. You get this fantastic show about the these friend, well, Issa, and then her friendships in LA and her navigating her work, her job, and her friendships. And then you get this great soundtrack to the uh, plot and it's fantastic. Everybody can act uh, is very funny while also maintaining serious dramatic moments when it needs to move the plot along, which a lot of people can't do. Usually it's either too heavy handed on the drama or too lighthearted where you don't really get to know the characters beyond just being two dimensional. So I think Issa and whoever else was working on that show, Prentice, 
uh, Natasha, Yvonne, or DJ Ellis, all those people who are on the show are just great actors. Uh, it's funny as hell. I have HBO Max. I started three days ago and I'm already on season four. But granted, it's only eight episodes, like no. 40 minutes long. So it's really quick to binge. Yeah. But yeah. It's it's actually more enjoyable than I had previously thought it was was going to be to the point where I have to force myself not to go through it so fast. Uh-huh. And then I'm supplementing because uh, Issa was smart, like with the branding. So when she launched Insecure the show, she launched a podcast, Insecure Tea, with uh, two hosts of other podcasts, Hey Friend Hey from the Friend Zone and Crystal from The Read. And they recap the show. So I like to watch an episode, listen to the recap back and forth. So it's, it's a good show. It's great. Great development. Uh, black people doing good black things. Hey. Hey, love to see it. Love to see it. Love to hear it. Yeah, that's one show that anybody who's I know that watches it always talks so good about it. And the reviews are good. It's It's probably in my top five of shows I want to watch yeah and it, it forces you like in a good way like engages you to maybe want to pick sides or pick that scene apart or that storyline apart it's it's like real good at that so she knew what she was doing and I, I can't wait she's supposed to be coming out with some more shows since Insecure is off so I want to see how those differ or mirror from it too in the future so it's great to kind of see progression because I actually did watch a little bit of Issa Rae on YouTube when she was in Awkward Black Girl, but I didn't watch it all the way through. Only watched a few of the episodes before, um, you know, me. I get on something else. So it's just great. Yeah. I I remember you watching Awkward Black Girl and you told me, hey, watch this. And I never watched it. You never it. fucking did. I think I watched like the first episode and I told you about it and you were like, yeah, I'm not watching that anymore or something like that. Something, bro. <laughs> I just have these intense phases of stuff, and then something happens to me, and I just let go. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Well, that is the end of our episode. Thank you so much, Katrina, for being such a shining star today. Um, oh my gosh, you handed out compliment sandwiches. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to reach out to us on our Twitter, that's Save Your Sorry. So at Save Your Sorry, but the your is spelled U R. If you want to get to our Instagram, that's Save Your Sorry, spelled just like the podcast. If you want to send us an email, our Gmail is Save Your Sorry at gmail.com, spelled just like the podcast. We do now have a Patreon. Um, right now, there's only one episode on there, but you can sign up for there. If you sign up right now, I'll send you a magnet, but that's only if you want it. If you don't want it, you don't have to take the magnet. Um, take the fucking magnet. <laughs> if you leave us five stars on Apple, I would send you a magnet too. You just uh, leave us five stars in a review. Tell us you did it. Give us your address. I send you a magnet. All so right. simple. And also leave us five stars everywhere else. You just won't get a magnet for that. Um, I think I hit all of them. So thank you so much for listening. Please give us your opinions on this episode about future episodes, suggestions, whatever you want to do. Thanks so much. Bye. It's been wonderful. So you.